release the Slayer fans. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's episode of Slayer Rain and Blood. I am Tracy Newport. And I am Ben Lindsay, and we are joined this week again by Dr. David Pizzo. How are you doing out there? I'm good, man. Freaking Slayer. That's how Fuck yes, it is Slayer. Slayer, this is our first Slayer album, and it's our third foray as a group into something Slayer. Uh, well, as a group, yes, it, I would say that it is our third foray. Because we had the show in Cincinnati, and the show in Nashville, and then we're doing today. Yes, and unfortunately, it seems as though we may never get to see them live again, uh, but who knows? I mean, so, they threatened to stop touring hundreds of times. So that's true. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> so hard to say, and we hit them hard at the end there. We I did. Memories of reading freaking Gulliver's Travels, trying to do English homework because I was skipping school at Slayer in Atlanta. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's how 17-year-old me was laughing. So, yes. Slayer from beginning to end. Yeah, man. And uh, so this is, as Tracy alluded to, um, we are continuing our look at the 1986 releases from the Big Four. We've already done Master of Puppets and Peace Sells But Who's Buying. And now we end this, for this year anyway, with Rain in Blood from Slayer. Their first major label debut, but their third album overall. The first one produced by Rick Rubin at Def Jam, which up until then had been a rap label. And, you know, I, I figure you probably know who Slayer is, but let me go ahead and read off the personnel at the time of this recording. Kerry King on guitar, Tom Araya on bass and vocals, Jeff Hanneman on the other guitar, and, of course, on drums... Dave Lombardo. Runtime of 38 minutes, which is incredibly short for this era. Isn't that kind of long for them typically, though? I think that's bonuses. I think it's 29, man. It might be 29. Yeah, I think it's literally 29 minutes without, like, haunting the chapel or there's sort of different versions of it. I <laughs> yeah. do not even think it's half an hour. Some of those songs are not even two minutes. And True. they brag about it. They're like, we were just, we heard all these other bands, we riffed, we just were going over and over, read Metallica. So, you know, we're not doing a seven-minute song. We're doing a minute and 37-second song. Yeah, no, it is. It is incredibly fast. Yeah, no kidding. Even compared to Hell Away. Um, Looking at it right now, the two most well-known tracks off this album, Angel of Death and Rain and Blood, or Rain and Blood, are the longest at 451 and 414, respectively. Yeah, One other track over three minutes. Yeah, it is 29 minutes. My mistake. Yeah. No, it's all good. I just remember it not even being half an hour. Yeah. You could literally just play the tape and flip it over and play the, it was just the same thing on the other side. Yeah, yeah, that was one of the cool <laughs> things about it was it was yeah. the entire album on both sides. <laughs> flip it, just do it again. It's an, I would do it again. I would <laughs> yep. Like, totally. As one does with fire. Yeah, even their later albums, 35 minutes, 40. I mean, you know, it's, that's how they do. That's, that becomes their formula. I forgot who it was. When we went and saw them live the first time, one of you guys was joking about we could probably listen to their whole discography in like a two-hour set. I was probably yeah, either pretty close. That. <laughs> I mean, you really could. I I love Slayer, but you know, does the song post mortem need to go on for ten minutes? Probably not. <laughs> Slayer knows it. We know it, and the fans know it. Oh, so, yeah. no, I'm okay with that. I mean, there's, I get a certain nostalgia when I listen to like Queen's Rike or Iron Maiden or Metallica. But this song is nine minutes, but they don't, you know. In some ways, Slayer was modern, I guess you could almost say. 
they were certainly revolutionary um, oh, because, yeah, sure. you know, of out of all these albums and by the big four, if you don't know, we're including Anthrax. Anthrax didn't release in 86. They released in 87. But this album specifically, Rain and Blood, spawned so many subgenres of metal. Oh, everything. Yeah, you know, yeah. So it's just I guess we will have that discussion, uh, you know, when we, we get down to talking about this album. But, uh, you know, our thoughts on this individual album, but in comparison to those other big four albums of the era, but fuck this thing kicked off so many other styles and genres that it's it's hard not to give it its due for that alone. Well, the only reason it doesn't sound devastatingly heavy is everything it spawns, like Cannibal Corpse or Lamb of God. Right. You know, those things would not exist without it. So it's oh, really, no. you know, it's like the, it's the proto-dinosaur. You know, it's the thing that, <laughs> it, it was a fairly big departure also from the previous couple albums, not just in terms of production quality, but sort of precision, and, you know, there's still plenty of Satan on this album because it's frickin' Slayer. But yeah. the sort of transition to real-world horrors, which then became pretty much uh, part of the chorus of them. Yeah, um, it does kind of, to, to your point, at least that um, I, I would say, even though Venom or Merciful Fate allusions to religious horror and, you know, like uh, the Hellowates album or Haunting the Chapel, which had like the, the goat-headed Baphomet dude with the sword and everything, <laughs> that's, that's to nice. what this has, you know. I mean, here you're getting tortured by, you know, a Nazi physician. It's a different, yeah. it's a different product. So, or you're in an insane asylum, or you're an epidemic disease, or, or I mean, you know, it really sort of bored down on the terrible things that could happen to you literally any time. Yeah. And yeah. you know, by the time they get to seize the abyss, that's their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Um. So, Tracy, you're the, probably the one who heard it the the last. So, what were your initial thoughts? Yeah. Sure. The last, oh, like the latest in life. You were the last. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, uh, me and me and David have all heard this at an earlier age than you. Is kind of what I mean. And you've had the oh, most no, recent wait, exposure. We, so, um, touch twenty years ago, or whatever, so yeah. What, so, to hear, put it, what do you think? To put it in perspective, for me, was Slayer is for a long time. Whenever I listened to music, I would listen to a band that just put on shuffle and. Doing that with Slayer, you run into a problem in the sense that they are. It's 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 hard to uh if you're not very depth with in depth with Slayer, it's hard to differentiate between the songs. And especially, I, I will not disagree. So um, a guy I worked with is somewhere is like we'd get through like an hour of Slayer on random and be like, already let's listen to something else. And so I never really sat down and listened to Slayer until actually. Right before, like, an album of Slayer from from start to finish until actually before we went to go see him live the first time. So, wow, like a year ago. Yeah, so, like, that's my first, I guess you say, meeting a Slayer from start to finish of an album. And it was a couple, like, Diabolus and Musica, Marina Bloodhound in the Chapel. It's very, it was very different coming from the majority of my life. I had mostly listened to Metallica and Megadeth were the two primary ones I'd listened to to of the big four. And so it's a very different grasp and feel comparatively. And so listening to them on Slayer on random can be misleading because you miss a lot of the nuance that I feel when you listen to them as a set of an album from start to finish as opposed to listening to them from start to finish on shuffle because a lot of times when you do that, you're just like, oh, I'm going to listen to their hits, and you miss some of their more, I guess you say, B-sides and the, the deep tracks that really do a great job of showing who Slayer is and showing really what they're good at. 
I think they also laid their album very much, of course, in the era of albums. So they yeah. thought of a whole arc with sort of an intro track. Then we're going to speed it up. Then we're going to slow it down. And, you know, often tracks will bleed from one to the next. You know, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, it was definitely not designed in the streaming era. And I can imagine that would sort of mess it up. Also there, you know, you go from Rain and Blood to South of Heaven, two seasons. They really are changing. So I, Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too, is yeah, that... Um, you know, maybe it's because we've listened to them for so much, such a longer portion of our lives. But I could tell the difference in where the band was at stylistically and musically, even though they're they're honestly shades of gray, I guess. But to, they are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, there's to me a very distinct sound between the Rain and Blood era and the Seasons in the Abyss era and everything since then. Yeah, for sure. And, like, I pick up more of that now compared to when I listen to it. But, like, you were talking about tracks bleeding into other tracks, especially on this one. One of my first, when internet first we got accessible, available to us, and I was like, I want to check out Square. I've seen them in articles, but I never heard them because this was in 0102. They hadn't really released an album recently. They weren't showing up on MTV, Headbangers Ball, nothing like that. So I went looking for a Slayer song. And one of the first things I found was an anime music video of the the life of Trunks, the DBZ special over Trunks in it. And it had a they did a cut to Raining Blood and the outro and it they used the outro of postmortem that bleeds into Raining Blood. Yeah, totally. For a long time, I thought that was just the actual full on beginning of Raining Blood. It just abruptly started. <laughs> yeah, no, you got to listen to postmortem and that's right. Kicked out. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> And so, like, I later in life, I've definitely become to appreciate these guys for what they are and what they've done, as opposed to 16-year-old me going, uh, <laughs> I'm going back to reload. <laughs> yeah. So, David, what were your first thoughts when you first heard the album? The very first time? Well, if you can remember them, yeah. I can, because I'm a nerd and a geek. I do remember. <laughs> I, I, so, I entered middle uh, metal a little bit later. So I was like a young teenager. So I came in hard in sort of 89, 90 with like persistence of time. Yeah, that's when I came in too. So so. that's when I entered the game, so to speak, from whatever else crap I was listening to. And what that means is that for me, my first Slayer album actually was Seasons, interestingly. And so essentially for all time, that to me is like the Slayer album. And it is legit amazing. So the second album I got, so then I sort of worked my way backwards. Then I got South of Heaven. I'm like, oh, this is kick-ass too. And then I got Rain and Blood. And I remember thinking, like, this is not quite like either of those two albums. Mm-hmm. Um, I experienced them backwards. So I went from, you know, as I said, from Seasons to South of Heaven to Rain and Blood. You know, and I knew them from seeing them in shows. I, of course, knew, like, Altar of Sacrifice, uh, Angel of Death, Rain and Blood. Um, you know, even after having heard those other two albums, and man, this album kicked ass. I never liked it as much as Seasons. And I think that's so much about whatever... You know, like I entered Metallica at uh, Justice for All. So in my brain, to some degree, that is always Metallica, if that makes any sense. Um, not to take away from anything that came before or after. But it's heavy as hell. And listening to it now, actually, I think I appreciate it, interestingly, even more than I did then. Because now I realize how much has come out of it, you know, in terms of yeah. uh, both Slayer's career. Because really, I mean, there's like four years between those three albums. I mean, they, they were putting out stuff quick. Uh, so their career's gone on much, much beyond that. And then just all these other genres 
I mean, it's just sort of amazing to think, uh, you know, a lot of genres have come and gone, but thrash, thrash is still very much with us. So I probably appreciate it even more now than I did as a teenager. And I liked it then. It's a kick-ass record, especially the way it starts. Um, but yeah, that's, that was sort of my initial impression. Like, no, not quite a school of seasons, but really a kick-ass record. And it is, you know, they've learned a lot by 1990. So the going from Hello Waits, this album is pretty mind-blowing. I did that yes. this time, the first time in forever. I was like, oh, damn. I mean, you know, whether it's production or if it's a precision or theme. So, because I, I was never actually much fond of sort of deicide, the Satan stuff, not because I found it offensive. I just thought it was sort of lame compared yeah. to the actual horrifying things he would do to one another. And Slayer was, uh, you know, there was a Venn diagram of my interest in history and all its horrifying <laughs> aspects. And Slayer, that Venn diagram is just a circle. So, yeah, pretty much. Perfect so, circle. That's... Uh, you know, they're a big part of my historical consciousness. You know, I, you know, I'm studying studies German history and initially was interested in Germany also for, you know, because Indiana Jones and the Slayer. And mm-hmm. uh, so at, at some point, I'm sure we can talk about the, you know, the, the Nazi issue in terms of this album or any other. Yeah, I think we need to. Yeah. I think we, oh, we absolutely have to. I mean, they open with it. It's literally yeah. what they drop on the table. Like, oh, have you yeah. thought about Mandela? Like, okay. Where? Because, where? yeah, that wasn't really a thing on Halloween. No, it was not. Um, and, and I agree with that. I, when I came into it, I, I think that um, I don't quite remember it as well as you do, but I'm pretty sure that Seasons in the Abyss was my first exposure to Slayer as well. Um, I think I then hopscotched back too because I'm weird in this way that when I find something, I try, I'm try. i kind of a completionist, so I try to get everything and then go back and, and come back through it. So I think I probably did listen to live undead or uh, haunting the chapel or you know show no mercy uh, whatever um but early slayer then kind of worked up to this and to me it that evolution of sound because they were so much like venom or one of those bands initially not just in thematic content but just the fuzziness of the sound i think um carrie king said in some interview somewhere that they lived in the land of reverb and you couldn't really hear everything so hearing the production that was done on this album um where you could actually hear all the notes and tell that they weren't just faint playing fast that they were playing precise something that you've alluded to with the precision um that was uh mind melting i guess you know yeah, because nothing at the time was really this fast even you know um seasons in the abyss isn't this fast there's a couple of tracks on there that kind of you could have dropped into this and it wouldn't have sounded weird but you know they had slowed down a little bit or evolved i guess i should well, say south of heaven is way slower That's yeah totally yeah, totally. So yeah yeah it's still just uh, about the fastest one i mean maybe it in christ's illusion yeah um, and like you said, just the fact that this was horror that could be headlines, and in fact, fucking was headlines. You know, yeah, for sure. We we've got Angel of Death that you alluded to. We've got Necrophobic. We got Piece by Piece, which is effectively a story about a serial killer. You know, just all the stuff. Criminally insane, for God's sake. It's just real world horrors. Just up. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Lined up for all your misery in one spot. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's the same as well. Like a classic with altar of sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> first person account of turning into a goat person. <laughs> the perfect song for certain occasions. Odorous Arongus of Guar claimed that was the song he would play to people to get them in his liar. Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's somewhat fitting, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's there. It is extremely fast. It is extremely brutal. It deals with stuff that 
really freaked, freaked people out. I mean, the, the Nazi thing was one of the, the, the whole stuff about Auschwitz and Mengele is one of the reasons that um, Def Jam didn't want to distribute them. They had to like backdoor, or Columbia rather. Yeah, it was Columbia. Columbia. Want, they had to backdoor it through Geffen, who didn't even put their logo on the album. Yeah. So this was, interestingly, it was, you know, it was a real label, real production, Rick Rubin. I mean, he's the one who convinced them to come on board, but it had to like come in through the back door. <laughs> So Isn't this one of those albums that Tipper Gore and all of them used as an example oh, of why yeah. it should have? Oh, yes. uh-huh. oh and just during the suicide, heavy metal suicide stuff. But yeah. Yeah. It was like Judas Priest, this this record. I mean, it, it, it's it's pretty incriminating if you're, you know, Tipper Gore or, you know, Jerry <laughs> Falwell when you listen to Yeah, it. exactly. Ted well, I mean, you yeah. this was the 80s, the moral revolution, you know, the moral majority and Chick tracks and all that revolution. Stuff. Yeah, it was a crazy freaking time and Slayer just blew up out of LA in the middle of it. Yeah, I always thought Slayer's defense of themselves on this was a little bit weird because their whole thing was we can't be Nazis because one of us is from South America, uh, Peru, sure. I think, and the other guy is from uh, Cuba, so we can't be Nazis. So it's not exactly how that works, but I get where you're going. Quite how it works. I know what he's <laughs> and the thing I think I have learned and have more insight about now is Slayer, like all bands, the fractured complex entity. And yeah. Terry King, Terry King's relationship with Nazis, I think, is very different than either Hanneman's or Arias. Yeah. So, if that makes any sense. Is yeah. it? Yeah, and Hanneman's the major songwriter for Angel of Death, isn't he? And I yeah. think I've read oh, a couple of interviews. Like his interest in this for this album, or his inspiration came from his dad or his grandfather, I think. He's, yeah. yeah, his grandfather's like more memorabilia yeah. that he brought home with him. Yeah, for sure. Well, I he mean, also doesn't have a Wehrmacht eagle tattooed on his head. Like, like, can I just put that there out is there? That. I, I say this is enormous respect for Terry King as a man, but he's a, you know, he has his demons. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, yeah, he's something else, all right. And I, I adore his guitar playing, even Me though too. I think uh, Hanneman, especially at this early stuff, Hanneman was much more the heart and soul of the band than Kerry King. I think Kerry yeah, King sure. evolves into that post um, Seasons in the Abyss, but I think at this early stage, and especially Hanneman's affinity for punk music, because you can definitely feel that on this album. And Kerry King himself admits he was like not on his game by the time of South of Heaven. That album's almost entirely Hanneman, which is fine. It works. Hanneman was amazing. Pistol also. We've lost many of these people, by the way. As we're talking, I'm like, wow, a lot of people aren't alive. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Kerry King... Obviously, his solos were wicked good. The fact that these two idiots were playing this precisely at the same time. To this day, when I watch them, I'm like, what the fuck? Just watching yeah. the two of them play. Um, which, you know, I, I'm glad I got to see that original lineup a few times. And yeah, me too. And replaced him with, can still do it. I mean, or you can't be in Slayer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Period. So you're, you're, yeah, you must be this high, ride this ride. So Kerry <laughs> King's really coming to his own. But as we know, just from some of the stuff, we don't have to go down this rabbit hole. With the 2016 election, Tom Ryan and Terry King's politics are not identical. <laughs> that's, no. that's my disclaimer. So I think Hanneman was the balance between the two of them, not just in terms of politics, but just band dynamics and such. So yeah, I, I think, think you're probably right on that. Push me, pull you, we're retired, we're not retired thing. Partially, it's just, you know, I don't want to portray it as a power struggle, but they just, you know, they're not the same people. Well, and, and to be fair, they've been doing it for like 30 years. Sorry, I was about to say, and, and part of it too is the fact I think Kerry King would still probably tour until he died. But, but you know, Tom Arias. Yeah. And Tom Arias, like, look, man, I need to see Pap to sleep good. I don't sleep worth a shit when we're out touring and everything. So I, I get, you know, I got grandkids now. 
they're rocking way harder than I'll be able to at their age. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, they're entitled to a break. But yeah, this album, I know we keep saying it over and over, it really was, as you say, mind melting and genre forging. And I mean, we wouldn't eat death metal. Nope. Nope. Metalcore, essentially, you know, I mean, obviously that there's a continuous back and forth with metal and punk, but a lot of that's powered by Slayer. Groove metal essentially comes out of them. I was reminded of that in those sort of, you know, those sections in the middle of the songs where they break into a groove. I'm like, oh, ah, yeah. okay. Yeah, Just going from that now, uh, you know, because also it seems like Lamb of God or Pantera or whatever. You're like, okay, I see what's going on here. So it, it is thrash, but it's got a lot of layers to it. And, you know, you can think of it like a piece of black glass that's shattered and people pick up different pieces and different directions with it. Yeah. Because, you know, suffocation and morbid angel are not the same thing as Pantera. Agreed. But, but both well, of them I mean, are drawn. Yeah, anyway, he- yeah. Even if you think of thrash, the uh, the other uh, thrash that was out there at the time, this is way faster than anything Metallica oh, yeah. had done to this point. Oh, yeah. uh, Megadeth had some blistering leads and stuff, but also this was way faster than anything they were doing. So, you know, and Anthrax uh, coming out of New York had a little bit of their own infusion of punk that was different than the L.A. sound that Hanneman brought. But even that, I don't think, was near uh, maybe the speed, but not the precision that Slayer was playing with. It's, it's not. Megadeth sort of has the precision thing going. Yeah. But all the other yeah, yeah. bands, uh, you know, have this sort of cinematic quality, and they lead in, they lay out. Slayer just picks up a ball-beam hammer and is you in the forehead. And then writes and a song like, about it. They write a song about it, and it's over in a minute and 37 seconds. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, it's, it's a very different experience. Um uh, you know, I got to say, of the big four, I like them all. I've been lucky enough to see some of them recently. Slayer's the one I still like the most. And that was not true then. Then, man, did I love Metallica. But, you know, in terms of what's had staying power, Slayer, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a hard question for me. I, I, in that I will say that I'm, I'm the biggest fan of Slayer. I honestly think Megadeth might be the better band. Um, that's fair. I won't necessarily disagree think, on that, but yeah. Yeah. For me, like I first fell in love with Metallica, I kind of grew up and did it, went through a big Megadeth phase. And later in life, Slayer and Anthrax are like the two that really have kind of stuck with me better or I listen to more nowadays. And I feel like for me, Anthrax is the one that I'm kind of that kind of sits with me better now as opposed to then. And Slayer has grown on me significantly more. And which as I dive more through Slayer, see albums, which this podcast will probably help do some more of as well. Yeah, I think it's probably might shift more towards Slayer because I have fallen into much more heavier stylistically. Well, it's just Slayer seemed like Slayer the entire time, for lack of a better way of putting it, because Anthrax had vocal, you know, lead vocalist changes, and that changes the sound of the band. Yeah, 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 me too. Um, And, you know, Metallica didn't really have that many changes other than at the bass position. And then they're not having bass on a couple albums because of that. Um, <laughs> Cause they would turn it down so far in the mix, but Slayer, even when that, you know, Dave Lombardo would leave and Paul Bosoff would come in up until that's when Jeff Hanneman died, um, which was, you know, I, and I want to, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this cause I'm going to talk about it on later episodes with other people who I had who meant more to me at the time, but I can remember going into your office and talking to you about Jeff Hanneman passing away and just being completely fucking bummed out about it. Um, that's how much this band meant to me and still does. Um, so, and then after Jeff Hanneman, I was like, well, what the fuck are they going to do? I mean, yeah, you can replace him. And uh, I can't remember the guy's last name, but the dude they got from Exodus, Gary, do you remember? Oh, thank you. He does a great job. 
but it, he's, he's still not Jeff Hanneman. Um, and so I can kind of see that as to why they have decided to, to your point, to think about retirement, at least from touring, um, because of that. Yeah, and even in the sense of the way I think they worked out Gary Holt for Slayer, is he's more of a employee of Slayer as opposed to a full-on fledged band member. Sort of and I think, yeah, yeah. I think both staff is the same. Yeah. Well, I think um, Lombardo's back in the band now, or maybe he's out again. I don't know. That dude goes in and out so many times. You think he was, you know, anyway. Uh, But yeah, dude. Uh, So standout tracks. Uh, I think we have all talked about how awesome we think this is as an album. Actually, before we do that, is there anything you don't like about it? I will speak for myself first. No. Too short. Absolutely not. (laughs) We Uh, want more. (laughs) But I mean. It's a little short. <laughs> I would, I, no, I, I, this album is amazing. I, I don't have a lot to say other than that Nazi stuff is a disaster and there's no way to handle it as a one-off. Like, they struggle with that their whole career. And Seasons of the gives very different interpretations of all that and Divine yeah. Intervention than that album did. So I'm willing to sort of, like, not overlook it, but just say it's a thing that exists. Um, you know, uh, yeah, some of these songs I wish they were a tiny bit longer. And I like the groove a little bit more. Then the ultra thrash, I have to confess. Mm-hmm. Um, again, probably because I'm coming from Seasons and going backwards. So yeah, I Seasons is my back. favorite album of theirs, so I get that. Oh, yeah. So I just love that album so much. So, But I don't want this album to be like Seasons because I have Seasons. Right. So I really wouldn't change much either. Like I said, maybe, what if one of the times these songs are another minute? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm a badass album. Yeah, and to, and to the the Nazi thing, which is kind of hard to to uh, say too much, because yeah. like some of the early shirts when they would go with the Slatanic Wehrmacht and everything, it was like, uh, guys, uh, dude, guys, <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about this for a second? Yeah, but you know, Angel of Death specifically, they are basically just saying what actually happened, yep. not really glorifying yeah. it. Yeah, so and just putting it to a badass song. Um, so yeah, uh, again, uh, there's there are. To transition to speaking about songs, there are some songs that I don't think are the best in the world that kind of are the filler of this yeah, album. For sure. But it's yeah, there's nothing I would change. I I, I wouldn't really want it to be any longer because I think these work and it was just so different than what everybody else was doing at the time. For fuck's sake, I mean, I don't know that Master of Puppets has a song that's less than four minutes on it. And I don't think it does. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it was a nice antidote to that. Not that I think Masters of Puppets isn't also a badass album. Well, at least the first four tracks, right? Yeah, yeah, that first side is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tracy, what do you think? Um, or you don't like? No, there's nothing really I don't like about about this album, and I've grown to I appreciate it a lot this last listen through in the last couple of weeks listening to it. Outside of it being maybe a little on the shorter side, and that's even listening to the uh, Criminal Insane remix a version of it. So yeah, I don't have quite the cultural context to see how it changed everything comparatively for you guys coming from it considering this is much more recent in my years yeah but to the voice of the millennial generation tracy you have these two <laughs> crusty gen x bastards exactly. the forgotten generation and you're the millennial <laughs> you're you're showing me that slayer could live on yes they can live on <laughs> they need a tour again but i'm fingers are crossed but they'll probably have another tour i'm sure I mean, they will like probably see when their wallets can light like, i i yeah, I think they'll probably do shows. I don't think they'll tour, which means we might have to fly out to L.A., damn it. You know. That's a shame. Ain't that a damn shame? <laughs> There's an amazing picture of Slayer. It's got to be from, like, 84. It's early 80s. 
There's mm-hmm. a practically like on a street corner, and they already have double bags. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, I love it. It's just like wow, they look like you know hobos with double bass drum, but they're already doing it. Slayer's already Slayer. L.A. made it possible. Yes, it did. It certainly did. And, I, you know, it's kind of funny because there's this that whole Bay Area sound, but they're really the only one that I, I think of when I think of the Bay Area. I don't think of Megadeth and Metallica when I think of the Bay Area, but I do think of L.A. when I think of Slayer. Yeah, exactly. No, for sure. For sure. All right. So um, I guess standout tracks. I mean, Angel of Death, obviously, even though it makes me want to die inside. But, yes, it's. It's great. Postmortem is badass. It just is. Yeah. Uh, Altar of Sacrifice, badass. And then Raiding Blood, holy shit. Just that whole, uh, I, yeah, that whole last two-song arc, as per what yeah. Casey said about like, finally saw them together. Man, yeah. There's some tracks that, eh, but but those tracks are just so damn good. Yeah, and they're short, so even if you don't like them, they're over quick. So what? Yeah, piece by piece is over in 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> No, I when I listen to it, I just listen. That's the thing. Again, I had it on like a tape, and I would just flip it, so I just do it. Yeah, it's like one exactly. long song. It was like twenty nine minutes. Yeah, I mean, there are times that I can't even wash my dishes in the amount of in the length of this album. So it's like, okay, just hit repeat. <laughs> that sounds like a a first world problem if there was one. Yeah, well, it is. I mean, totally. But this is all first world problems because we are pretty solidly first world. I will agree with. For me, for a long time, like my Slayer experience was Angel of Death and Raining Blood. And so those two have been with me at least since I was like 18. But coming back through on my listen through now, Criminally Insane and the Epidemic Postmortem, those three really kind of stuck out to me beyond the the two, I guess you would say, on that, I guess, open or released on every tour they do. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are the ones for me um, as well. It's kind of hard to say anything that you guys haven't said. I will say, though, that you know, as the album was originally composed, I don't know, and I haven't researched to look, but I can't think of, let me put it that way, of an album that has a better opening and closing yeah. combination than Angel of Death and Raining Blood. I think just, the only thing that comes close is War Ensemble and Seasons. Well, but yeah. I, it's not, yeah. But, but I, but I think even though I like that album better, I think the opening closing is better on this one. Yeah. I agree. Yes, it's that's the only album I can think of that comes close. Holy Wars, <laughs> Punishment Two, and Trust and Faith are all so, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, there's some other uh, ones that are out there that are really good, but it's just that there's just something about the, and maybe it's because I've heard them close together in like the live set so much. Yeah. For but sure. to me, they're indelibly linked. Like, could they put? What did they put between them when we went and saw them? Well, it I, was... I don't even Chemical even, Warfare is what they separated them with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. The missing third piece. The missing <laughs> Chemical Warfare, which <laughs> is one of those badass songs from their earlier back catalog. So. Yeah. And one of their first forays into, you know, people kill people. <laughs> Goodness. All right. So um, I guess closing thoughts. Any closing thoughts? Well, we got a fucking badass. Well, I know, but yeah. we can rate it after some closing thoughts. Yeah, we can rate it. Or however uh, you want to do it, Tracy. I was yeah, just asking. It's fucking badass. That's really the only way you can describe this album. Yeah, fucking badass. Yeah. Fucking badass. I mean, it's A+. I, it's, you know, it's just an A+. It might be a 98 instead of 100. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, you know, I'm giving it some A+. Gotta have room for improvement, right? Yes, you absolutely can. You have to have room for season. 
But yes, it's yeah, it's a ninety-eight. I give it an A. Just going with a solid A, huh? Um, I'm going to go with the A plus as well. A because the two songs that are standout that we've talked about, in, you know, in postmortem is badass too. But to still be in the live set 30 years later and and still be kicking ass. I mean, you know, if I think of it like an essay, it's an essay that was short but pretty good, but had two points that were so damn good that I show them to everybody else as examples. Um. So I got to give it an A plus. It, it, you know, just because of the influence that it had, it has those at least three to four tracks that are just great. Uh, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's foundational and it's Slayer. Slayer, fucking Slayer. Well, for me, I think part of it is I don't quite have the history with it as you two do. Sure. Is probably as for me as what's kind of like it hasn't made the personal shift or personal change in my life i think as it carries the weight carries with you two so that's yeah, the like one right. side it's holding back for me no it's fine i mean it's not like a is terrible i mean <laughs> i don't expect you to actually go back in time and be <laughs> well i do tracy get on that <laughs> find my 17 year old self and kick my ass back you're listening to this album as whole <laughs> it's a forgivable offense I know that's getting into some weird Terminator type shit where your yeah. present self brings an album back. And anyway, <laughs> that was still before you were born. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a lot of very confusing. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, well, I don't have anything else to say on Slayer other than it's fucking yeah. Slayer. And if you yeah, haven't agreed. listened to it, you ought to. That's it. Same. Um, I guess that will do it for this week. And looking at Slayer, Rain and Blood, join us next week as we look at an album from 2017 in Junius, Eternal Rituals for the Accretion of Light. Oh, thank you again, David, for joining us. And thank you for listening to Thunderdome Metal Reviews. Ah.